Chapter 11 of the Queen of Appalachia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Qualada. The Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders. Chapter 11 The Brewing of a Scandal. A week had gone by and Paul was busy arranging business matters for a trip to a certain Virginia city. Having already been granted a leave of absence from his senior partner, he had thought of taking his father into his confidence, but necessity did not require it, and he said nothing. He had spent a great deal of his time with Miss Arnold during the week, and every evening they could be seen taking a drive. People began to talk of their growing intimacy, and that it would terminate in a wedding was generally conceded. More than one young man cursed the fellow who monopolized the young lady's time, while two or three still retained a hope that it was but a passing flirtation and continued their visits to the Overton residence. Miss Arnold encouraged their attentions, although she cared nothing for their company thinking, no doubt, that they might be used as convenient tools in her plans for bringing the man she loved to her feet. The climax was reached one evening when Paul had neglected the usual drive, and when the following day no sign of his coming was in evidence, she yielded to one of her admirers and accepted an invitation for a drive. They were just starting for the carriage when Thornton drove up, she was in a quandary. Her confusion was clearly shown in her face as she looked from one to the other. Were you going out? asked Paul, not noticing her embarrassment. Why, why, yes, she began. I was not expecting you. Don't let me interfere with your arrangement, Miss Arnold. I merely called to make some apologies and to pay my respects. If you will go in, Mr. Thornton, I will give up the drive, for, really, I don't care to go. Yes, we'll await your pleasure in the matter, Thornton, interrupted the young man with a sneer. Very good of you, neighbor, to remind me of my embarrassing position, and I'll bid you a pleasant adieu. With a polite bow, his cheeks scarlet, jumping into his carriage. A pleasant drive, he added waving his hand to Miss Arnold and driving rapidly down the avenue. She had answered Paul's parting salute, but never moved, watching the retreating figure. That is what I call impertinence and audacity with a vengeance, the brazen-faced puppy, hissed the young fellow with towering passion. I will give you to understand, sir, began Miss Arnold, her eyes snapping, that Mr. Thornton is a friend of mine, and I consider your remarks ungentlemanly in the extreme. You may go, sir. And lifting her skirts, she turned her back on him and ran up the steps, quickly disappearing indoors. Without a word, he walked down to the waiting carriage, climbed in, and hastily started away when he discovered Henry King, who had been a silent witness to the incident from the opposite side of the avenue, and he halted. I didn't know of your return. Jump in. 
thanks, old man. I was greatly interested in the movements in front of the Overton residence. Pardon the question, but what is the trouble? Oh, nothing serious," he replied, trying hard to conceal his ugly temper. Fine-looking girl, that Hank, but she appeared out of sorts. Darn fool," muttered Hank. "You or the girl, Hank? I guess you are about right," he replied. "She is a stunner, and that's no dream," said Henley. "I nearly fell dead when I first met her." "Met her? I thought you told me you had just arrived home." "So I did," said Henry, enjoying the surprise of his friend. "But I guess I saw her before you ever heard of her." "When?" Where? Asked Thornton. He replied, "Perhaps he wouldn't thank me if I talked too much." To Hades with Thornton. He only met her a week ago. The cat. I introduced him, and he has been running after her ever since. Don't be so deceived, Henry, my boy. They were acquainted long before you met her. The devil they were. Are you sure, Henry? Well, I guess. Aha! That accounts for his peculiar actions when he first discovered her here," said Hank, referring to Paul's white face the morning of the introduction. "Tell me all about it, old man. I'll promise to say nothing. Here, have a smoke," producing his cigar case. "If you will give me your word not to mention it to anyone, I will tell you," replied Henry, lighting a cigar. Henry has exacted this promise from at least a dozen other people the past four hours. You have my word," was the reply as the horse jogged slowly along. When our party reached the summit of one of those mountains that almost touched the sky, the third morning out from the upper forks began the recital. Thornton disappeared very mysteriously and was not heard of until the following morning. When I ran across him in company with the young lady you just quitted, who quitted me? Interrupted Hank. But are you sure, Henry? This lady came from the east with Mrs. Overton just about that time. Mrs. Overton's return from her alleged eastern visit was the second day after the morning I met this young lady and Paul in the mountain. Emphatically insisted Henry. You may be right. At least we will not argue that point. But tell me how he come to get mixed up with the girl. As I was saying, continued Henry, I met the couple coming down the river bank, and my sudden appearance knocked Thornton clear out in the first round. He looked daggers at me, and I knew he was not pleased to have me get onto his secret. He tried to hide his confusion, and his face softened presently. Giving me a seemingly hearty greeting and directing me to a cabin up the road, where he told me I could get breakfast. Did he introduce her to you? No, she walked on when we first met. Of course, he told her to. I suppose so. Well, I pass on. The girl had on a long cloak that completely covered her from head to feet, but her face was that of an angel. And I was at a loss to know who she was. At the cabin, I was told Thornton and his sister had spent the night. That settles it. But I could get no further information from the old duffer. 
When he found out I was seeking information, he closed his mouth, locked his lips with a padlock, and threw the key into the well. I see it all now," said the wise Mister Hank, "and yet I can't understand how Missus Overton got mixed up in it." The widow has always been exceedingly friendly to Thornton," suggested Henry. "That's a fact," answered Hank, giving the team an about-face command, followed by an unconscious crack of the whip that startled the horses into a brisk trot. It is hard to believe that Missus Overton would knowingly harbor a girl of questionable character, and introduce her into society," added Hank after a pause. "Why, man!" exclaimed Henry. "She is no doubt ignorant of the facts. Thornton is one of those goody-goody Sunday school fellows, and concocted a nice little tale that was easily swallowed. He's shrewd enough for that." Oh, he's a damnable hypocrite! I always said so, but you can't make the people believe it. They all worship the gay deceiver, and I will be glad when the props are knocked from under him, and the cunning, false-hearted Judas is shown up in his true colors. They say he treats his old girl friends with contempt now," added Henley. "Well, I should say so," was the reply. "Why, he almost lives up at Overton's." It's a shame that our people should allow the girl to stay here, and for one, I am in favor of giving her walking papers. I would advise that you warn Missus Overton and let her dispose of her guest. She wouldn't believe it," he broke in. "No, I believe in starting at the girl. I will see you this evening, Henry, and in the meantime, we will consider the best plan to pursue in the matter. It seems to me, upon second thought," said Henry, gaining the sidewalk in front of his home, "that after all, Thornton is to blame for the whole thing, and he should be made to answer. But I will see you downtown tonight." "Very well," replied Hank, who drove on, wrapped in deep thought as he recalled the story he had just heard. "Aha, my fine girl," he chuckled, thinking of his abrupt dismissal. The tide had turned. I don't believe half of it, but it serves my purpose to encourage report, and Henry will put it into circulation. He's built that way. I'll stay in the background and let him do the work. If it's all a mistake, and I know it is, it will come out all right. But the girl will not be so darn haughty and stuck up hereafter. It'll teach her a lesson, and before the thing blows over, she will find that Paul Thornton is not the whole thing. End of chapter eleven. The brewing of a scandal. Recorded by Kalada.